Thanks to LinkedIn for supporting Motley Fool Answers. Find the right people for your business this year at linkedin.com slash fool and get $50 off your first job post. That's linkedin.com slash fool. Terms and conditions apply. This is Motley Fool Answers. I'm Allison Southwick, joined as always by Robert Brokamp, personal finance expert here at The Motley Fool. Hello, bro. Hello, Allison. In this week's episode, with the help of Motley Fool's Chief Wellness Officer, Sam Whiteside, we're going to offer actionable advice on how to tackle the top New Year's resolutions around health and money. All that and more on this week's episode of Motley Fool Answers. So, bro, what's up? Well, Allison, very soon you'll start receiving those year-end account statements from your brokerages, your 401k, all your investment accounts, if you haven't already started to receive those. And you'll get an idea of how your portfolio fared in 2018. And you'll want to know how you did on an absolute basis, because obviously how much your portfolio grows or doesn't grow will have an impact on when you can accomplish your financial goals, when you can retire, how much you're going to have for the kids' college educations, all that type of stuff. But you also want to know how you did on a relative basis compared to relevant benchmarks so you can understand why your portfolio did what you did and if you need to make any changes. So I figured we'd spend this time doing a bit of an investment autopsy on 2018 so people can understand what did well or not as well, look at their own returns and see how they compare. So let's start with the major indices. Indices, and by the way, all the numbers I'm going to give are total returns. So that's the price as well as the dividend that's included. So for 2018, the S&P 500 dropped 4.6%. So while the index was down for the year, 160 stocks actually did make money. So a little bit more than two-thirds lost money, about 30% actually did make money. The Dow was down 3.7%, and the NASDAQ was down just 1%. Um, So, those aren't horrible losses, but I'm guessing that for most people with a diversified portfolio, they actually did worse. That's because those market indexes are market cap weighted, which means the biggest companies have the biggest influence. Smaller companies didn't do so well. So, for example, while I said the S&P 500 was down 4.6%, if you equal weighted all the companies within the S&P 500, it was actually down 7.8%. There's actually an S&P 400 index of mid-cap stocks. That was down 11.2%. And the S&P 600 index of small-cap stocks was down 8.5%. If you look at the Russell 2000, which is a broader and more well-known index of small companies, they were down 11.1%. So the smaller your average holding was, chances are you didn't do as well. Another factor was style, meaning growth versus value. So if you the S&P 500 growth ETF, which just sort of tilts the holdings towards the more growth-oriented companies, that was basically flat for the year. The value ETF was down 9.2%. So, Can you define value real quick, too? So value basically is, is, by various measures, a cheaper stock. Lower PE, lower price to sal- sales, maybe a higher dividend yield, something like that. Um, so value was out of favor last year, and it's been that way for a couple of years. When you look at sector, the three top performing sectors actually made money, but just barely. Uh, They were healthcare, utilities, utilities, believe it or not, (laughs) can you imagine? And consumer discretionary. The three worst sectors in 2018, energy, materials, and industrials. So the manufacturing companies and the companies that are related to stuff, you know, like oil and things like that, they did not do as well. In case you're curious about what the best-performing stocks were in the S&P 500 last year. They are, in order, 
Advanced Micro Devices, otherwise known as AMD, was up 73%, followed by a Biomed, Fortinet, which is not to be confused with Fortnite, because if that were a stock, that would have done well. Yeah. Advanced Auto Parts, TripAdvisor, and because I know a, Motley, a lot of Motley Fool listeners own this stock, Chipotle was the sixth best performing stock in the S&P 500. Wow. Up 46%. Wow. Uh, if you broaden beyond the S&P 500, the best performing stock of the broader stock index was World Wrestling Entertainment, up 144%. Wow. Who knew? It's a mid-cap stock. Anyways, the worst performers in the S&P 500, uh, Cody, I guess, C-O-T-Y, down 67%, followed by L Brands, Mohawk Industries, GE, down 57%, mm. and then Invesco. Uh, the worst performing of the broader st- uh, stock market is a small cap stock known as Cloud Peak Energy, down 91%. Oh, I know. A rough year. Yeah. All right. So I, you know, I made that comment about how Fortinet, which is a cybersecurity company, is not Fortnite. So then, of course, I had to Google, like, so who owns Fortnite? And I found this Quartz article Fortnite makes $2.5 million a day. Wow. It is not publicly traded, although a lot of it is owned by a publicly traded. Chinese venture capital firm, huh. but it's owned by Epic Games, which was uh, created by Tim Sweeney back in 1991 in his parents' basement in Maryland. He's now worth $7 billion. Wow. Yeah. I thought that was an interesting little story. So that's a resolution for 2019. Invent a game that takes over. <laughs> that makes $2.5 million a day, thanks to people like my son. Uh, so that's all U.S. stuff, right? Then there's international stocks. And the overall non-US stock market dropped more than 14%. But that's a big bowl of stocks. Like there's a lot of differences there. Emerging markets in general tended to do worse than developed market. The best countries? Take a guess. Ukraine up 80%, Macedonia up 30. We just got a postcard from Ukraine. We did. Yeah. Well, I'll I, talk about it on the next. I we wonder if they have any stock recommendations. We got our first postcard from Ukraine. We'll talk about it next time. Okay, and Cutter at twenty one percent. Wow. Worst, Venezuela's stock market is down ninety five percent. Wow. Like that. If you like read any article about what's going on in Venezuela, it is a world of pain. Wow. Huge inflation and and your stock market is down ninety five percent. Argentina Argentina down fifty percent and Turkey down forty three percent. Uh, so that gives you an idea of what happened across the world. Um, whenever you look at your investments, I think you also should evaluate the people who are picking your investments. So that could be a financial advisor, could be a mutual fund manager, it could be that wealth manager you see in the mirror every morning. But someone is making those investment decisions, and I think understanding how your portfolio performed, you should also understand who's picking those things, and whether that's where a change should be made. It's easy with mutual funds, because you can just use Morningstar. So if you have like a large cap growth fund, you go to Morningstar, you enter its ticker, you click on performance, and you scroll down to the category rating. And if its category rating is 10, that means it performed in the top 10% of funds, so you're doing pretty well. Um, it's harder with a financial advisor, because not only generally are they managing your portfolio, but they're Ideally, providing some financial planning advice, tax advice, retirement planning advice. But you certainly should still keep them accountable. I think you should choose basically a collection of indices or benchmarks. I would choose a total market 
type of index like the S&P 1500 or the Russell 3000 to compare a stock portfolio to. But I also like benchmarking people to some sort of target retirement fund. So if you plan on retiring in 2040, I think using like Vanguard's 2040 fund is a good comparison to what your financial advisor is doing for you or what you are doing for yourself. We've never used a financial advisor before, but is this the time of year when if you haven't heard from your financial advisor, you call them up and say, "Hey, What's what's up? Haven't talked in a while. Yes, Let's I think, chat. Is that right. like reasonable to completely reasonable and completely reasonable to ask them um, to explain the returns and explain what they see as a relevant benchmark to what they're doing? Um, because I, we always compare ourselves to the S and P five hundred, but it's not really a fair benchmark unless you are comparing the performance of your U.S. large cap stocks. Uh, which really comes to sort of my the foolish bottom line here, and that is, um, we talk about beating the market, and it's usually represented by that S and P 500. But the S and P 500 is made up of U.S. large caps, and it's getting more growth oriented. All of those things did well this year. So if you had a, dif- a reasonably diversified portfolio, you trailed the S and P 500. Mm-hmm. But that's okay. In years where U.S. large caps trail everything else. And then you underperform the market, then you probably have more of a concern. So I wouldn't freak out if you underperform the market this year. I would choose a more relevant benchmark, again, more like a total stock market index, and give yourself as well as your financial advisor and any mutual fund managers. You have to give people at least three years for a, a fair comparison. But if people are not beating or keeping up with a relevant benchmark over, over that time period, it's time to change that. Uh, and then I'll bring it back to the very original point about financial planning and the absolute returns. And that is, this is a great time of year to use these year-end portfolio values, input it into a retirement calculator to see how the market's returns last year will affect your retirement goals. Um, and if you don't feel comfortable doing that, I totally recommend going to see a financial planner to do it for you. I think everyone should do that at least once every five years, and especially if you're within five to ten years of retiring. Making that perfect hire can help set your team up for success in the new year. But where do you find that person? That's why, when it comes to posting your job, go where you have access to an engaged community that people visit every day. LinkedIn. Most LinkedIn members aren't checking job boards regularly, but nine out of ten LinkedIn members are open to and interested in new opportunities like yours. With most of the U.S. workforce on LinkedIn, Posting on LinkedIn is the best way to get your job opportunity in front of more of the right people. It's no wonder a new hire is made every eight seconds using LinkedIn. Find the right people for your business this year at linkedin.com fool and get $50 off your first job post. That's linkedin.com fool. Terms and conditions apply. Under half of us make New Year's resolutions, most often around becoming healthier or managing our money better. But only 8% of us actually keep them. Even if you're not making a formal New Year's resolution, chances are there's something you'd like to do differently in the coming year. Maybe you put on some extra holiday LBs, maybe you spend a little more than you should have on presents. So, how can you improve your chances of having a healthier, wealthier 2019? Joining us with the answer is Sam Whiteside, our Chief Wellness Officer here at The Motley Fool. Hi, Sam. Hi. So, every year we bring you in to tackle this topic. 
Um, so thanks for coming back. Yeah, for, I, I love this time of the year. It's right because people are actually worried about their health for five hot seconds. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I'm super busy. <laughs> I love that. So, bro, remind us again. Why do we care about health? So the, the evidence is clear. As proven by many studies that showed their health and wealth are positively correlated. Whether one causes the other is debatable. It's probably a matter of both of them leading to the other. Mm-hmm. So, for example, more wealth leads to better health because wealthier people have better and more access to health care. And also, they're less likely to suffer from um, financial stress, marital discord, which can take a toll on your health. On the other hand, being in better health can lead to more wealth because obviously you're not spending as much money on medical care. And also, healthier people are more productive. They're less likely to call in sick. Um, and those types of things can wear on your career and your income, especially if you're like an hourly wage earner or something like that. So there are lots of interconnections between the two. And there's also just the behavioral issues. I mean, the bottom line is both of them rely a bit on making smart consumption choices. Mm-hmm. and the ability to delay gratification for a long-term goal. And in 2011, I interviewed Roy Baumeister, who is the co-author of a book called Willpower. And he essentially said, in psychology, we found out that basically there are two things that predict future success, intelligence and self-control. You can't really change your intelligence other than some things that have short-term benefits. But you actually can develop your willpower muscle and there's spillover effects. So if you are able to, for example, have better health habits because you've made better choices, that can improve your ability to make better financial choices and vice versa. So there's just those are just some of the ways in which health and wealth are correlated. Yeah, one of the articles I read preparing for this episode was in Psychology Today, and it was asking, why is it so hard to keep New Year's resolutions? And they said it's because, well, there's a number of reasons, but you're constantly trying to resist your urges, and that's exhausting, and it just wears you down, and then eventually you eat the whole gallon of ice cream, because you're just like, ah, I can't do this anymore, and then you go for it. Um, when you look at the list of the top New Year's resolutions, they're always vague, like, I'm going to exercise more, or I'm going to be better with money. But vague resolutions are the first step towards failure. Right, Sam? Absolutely. <laughs> right. I mean, it's it's long been proven that goals need to be smart, right? Specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, time-oriented. Um, that's not only true for financial success, but for success in your total well-being. So, if someone says, you know, you know, losing weight, top pretty much resolution every single year doesn't change. People want to lose weight. That's great, but what is exactly does that mean? Um, for me, when I when I work with clients, whether it's here at the floor, whether it's outside, someone wants to lose weight. Well, what is your motivation to lose weight? Are you trying to look better in a bathing suit, or do you have a special event to go to, or is it something intrinsically that's driving you? I try and find some sort of intrinsic motivator and not an extrinsic motivator. Can you define define the difference between an intrinsic and an extrinsic? We've talked about it before yeah. on the show, but yeah, talk so, a little bit about the difference. Yeah, so extrinsic is um, kind of like uh, I want to look better um, for other people. I find value in um, achieving a certain uh, weight goal or whatever to um, get back to where I was in my 20s because I think that's where you know that's where I, my, my weight should be when hello please don't do that <laughs> I'm in my mid 30s and I don't want to weigh what I did in my early 20s um, it's just not realistic and and so making sure that your intrinsic motivator is something that's going to keep you for the long haul right it's going to continue to drive you 
So instead of saying just, quote unquote, I want to lose weight, um, make a commitment to track what you eat and not just necessarily what you eat, but what exactly you eat, how much of that, so portion sizes, and what times you eat. So getting a more realistic idea of how many calories you're consuming in a day, and that way you can start to pare down where you think it's appropriate, um, or sub out foods that you think might be better alternatives. Um, also make a commitment to track exactly how much you're moving, parentheses or not moving. Um, you need to know how many calories you're expending. Um, it's not calorie in, calorie out as in, I need to. I ate 2,000 calories today, so I need to burn off 2,000 calories. You can't realistically do that. Um, your body is going to need calories to burn when you're sleeping. All of our body processes requires requires calories, so don't try and do that. Um, but just be realistic about it. Track and start getting an idea of what what you're moving, how much you're moving, or if you're not moving, um, and start make goals around that. So make make activity goals, make make nutrition goals. Instead of I need to lose, I need to lose weight. You know, I need to get back to, you know, 130 pounds or or whatever. Um, that's that's not realistic. It's not achievable. Um, and then, I always come at it from a standpoint where, um, you know, where was the last time in your life where you didn't have to worry about putting on something in from your closet and worrying about what you felt like you were going to look like or worrying about if you it was going to fit or not. Um, get back to a place of being of being that, of being happy with your body and not looking at the scale. Long time listeners will know, Sam, that I've gone through these periods where I try to lose weight by basically betting you I can do it. We have bet over the years. <laughs> so, And you point out to me that that's, a, I mean, first of all, it's important to me because I'm oriented toward money. One of the first times I really wanted to lose weight is because I was, I was basically not fitting in my clothes anymore and I didn't want to buy a new wardrobe. You didn't want to spend money. I didn't want to spend money. Exactly. And then these other things, and you've pointed out like, the, Doing these little things that I have done with you, like I got to lose a certain amount of weight or I owe you money, um, it's sort of it's it's first first of all it's short term and it is mm -hmm. a little bit extrinsic, right? Mm -hmm. It's just the short term. It's, it's so almost what, a blend of intrinsic and extrinsic right. because intrinsically money to you is very important, right? Yeah. But what I for what has kept me a good I don't know twenty pounds below where my max was at one point was finding other reasons. For me now, as I'm getting older, it's health. Mm -hmm. Like understanding where, and I come from a family of of people, particularly men, who have heart attacks and who are overweight, and to see where that leads. Focusing on things like that that motivate me a little bit more to just rather than just whether I look good or not. Like I want to live a long, happy life. Right. Absolutely. And so, I've always understood intrinsic motivators as being motivated to do the thing because you love doing that thing. Right, you're intrinsically motivated by money because you just plain love saving money. <laughs> I love financial security. You love financial security. You love saving money. Like you get a joy though out of like seeing, you know, you right. intrinsically enjoy seeing your pile of money grow, Scrooge McDuck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I, and that's why with with me, I intrinsically learned to love doing doing running. Rick intrinsically learned to love doing his weird game with the net and the ball. It's called oh, spike ball. Spike ball. You're not even getting close to the mic to pipe in here. <laughs> it's been a long time since I've played spike ball. It spike is. ball. The spike ball club isn't as active. The as they all moved to Colorado. They yeah. did. Yeah. They yeah. need to come back. All well, right, that's so. actually an interesting point, and maybe Sam, you're going to talk about this later. But part of it is finding something that you like to do. Right. So rather Absolutely. than forcing yourself 
to go to the gym. Right. Is there something you like to do? The Fool used to have a Zumba-type class, which I never had to make myself go to. Probably other people did, knowing that they'd have to see me dance. No, that's but why I was intrinsically came. motivated <laughs> to go to that. Like, it didn't require right, any sort of willpower. Fun. Right. It was fun. Actually, doing for it was you. fun for you. Yeah, yes. yeah we even all though came we were so uncoordinated. Because we wanted to see Bro shake his groove. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, bring back Zumba. Uh, done. Done. And, and spike ball. Done. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's go through um, specifically what people will say when they resolve, and then let's talk about some of your ways that you can actually get at that goal. So, for example, yeah. when people make a New Year's resolution, they also they often say, "I'm going to eat healthier." Yeah. Right. And that's so vague. That's a big so what one are too. yeah? So what are some ways that people can actually make goals around eating healthier, or ways to make eating healthier fun? Yeah. So. I mean, we all know it's kind of what you put in your body and not necessarily how much you move, right, as as far as weight maintenance and weight gain. And that's not what people want to hear no. because exercise and getting moving is the easier portion of that puzzle piece, right? Making the healthier choices or abstaining from certain things that are favorite things is the not easy choice. Um, but that's where the gains can come, whether it's putting on pounds or whether it's actually making the scale move. Um, and so when people want to eat healthier, the first thing I want you to do is track your food. Do a three- or five-day diet recall. That's basically where you write down everything you eat for three or five days, including portion sizes, including times, as specific as you can be, and have at least one weekend day in that diet recall. Our, our weekends sometimes, yeah, more often than crazy. not, look yeah. different than yeah. Monday through Friday. And there's apps you can use. Like I've used Absolutely. my fitness my, pal. Yeah, makes it so easy. Tons and tons of trackers. Yep, I, um, use, I use Lose It, which yep. also, and then maybe my fitness pal does this too, but it tracks. You put in the food that you eat, even brand name foods, gives you the calories. And then also you log in your exercise Mm -hmm. and how many calories you burned. And I've said this before on the show, but man, it really made me appreciate how, you know, I can work out for a half hour and you only burn so many calories and you can totally overwhelm them by just having like three Oreos. It's ridiculous. And you don't have to do it track forever. Like even just doing it for a week. No, and I'm not, I'm not a component of that. It it can be all consuming and and then it almost becomes almost sort of an obsessive behavior Hmm. and that's not where our energy should be at all. Um, But so get, get an idea of what you're eating and how much you're eating and start looking at it, and and do you continue? You know, do you have four or five sodas a day? Um, do you consume a lot of unnecessary processed sugar? Um, how many green vegetables do you eat in a day? Zero, one. Like that's a that's a that's a you know that's a big eye opener for me. I would automatically say like, for me, eat healthier for you would mean increase your green consumption of vegetables. Um, so as specific as you can make it. So eat more green vegetables. Um, here at the Fool, we did a Taste the Rainbow Challenge probably two years ago. Um, and it was, I want everyone to consume, try to consume every color of the rainbow in a vegetable per day, which became pretty pretty difficult. Um, you know, red bell peppers or yellow bell peppers or, you know, um, and it was a fruit or vegetable. So, you know, oranges and um, spinach and kale and all of these things. Um, but it made people recognize how how narrow their diet was. Mm-hmm. They were consi- continually choosing only two or the three of the same exact fruits and vegetables every time. Um, your micronutrients can get kind of out of whack, right? So um, your vitamin A, D, E, and K, those are fat-soluble vitamins. We want to make sure all of those are in the right right proportions. Um, so you need to vary your diet and vary the colors. Um, so that taste rainbow challenge is super, super eye-opening for us here. Um, eat healthier can also mean... Um, 
are you only drinking maybe 12 ounces of water a day? I don't know. Let's find that out. If so, for me, I would automatically put you on a hydration challenge and that would you know, that's going to make you healthier. You're drinking more water. You're flushing, flushing out your body. Uh, it's going to make your your skin brighter. Uh, you're going to sleep better. Like water has amazing, amazing benefits that are just innumerable. Um, so it means eat healthier means something different to every single person. You have to kind of look at what you're consuming to figure out what that means. Mm-hmm. What about? So we've talked about this a little bit, but let's talk a little bit more about the resolution of I'm going to exercise more. <laughs> I know uh, that's probably one of my favorites, um, and and I always uh, you know I go to the gym every once in a while as many t- classes as I teach here and outside of the pool. Um, you know everyone at the gym who is a regular always is like, oh, it's January. Yeah, you know, we're gonna get all these newbies in here. But don't worry, they're gonna be gone in like two months anyway, and they don't know what they're doing. And it's like, come on, like. You know, like we were all that new person at one time. Yeah. Like, don't be like that. Um, they're probably really freaking uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, so go out of your way to maybe make them feel a little more uncomfortable. Give them a smile, high five, mm-hmm. um, handshake. I don't know what right. whatever your choice of modality <laughs> is. Um, invite them to a class. Um, but you know, then again, a gym is not for everyone, right? So when you make a commitment to to exercise. Don't force yourself to do something that you hate because you're not going to do it. Yeah. Get real. You know, going back to the smart goal, like, is is it smart? No. Is it specific? Maybe. Is it is it measurable and achievable and realistic and time-oriented? All of those things, no. If you don't want to go to the gym and you're not going to do it, don't pay the the membership fee and like the initiation fee. And yeah. even if it's Planet Fitness for $10 a month, like you're not going to maybe notice that $10 out of your bank account, but you're not going to go because it's not something you enjoy. So find something you enjoy. Um, For me, I love going to hot yoga classes. So I have a hot yoga membership um, in in town, and my goal for for 2019 is to go to two classes per week. Um, So am I going to hit that every single week? No. Some weeks I might actually go three or four times. Um, Some weeks I might go zero. Mm -hmm. But make it specific and measurable Achievable, time-oriented, but something that you enjoy. We had people do sledgehammering for a while. Are they still doing We'd the sledgehammer <laughs> workout? Yeah, we call it hammer time. Hammer time. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Yeah. So yeah. So it's you know, you know, I didn't automatically see that maybe as a form of exercise, mm-hmm. but hi, it's heavy. You're <laughs> moving, moving it around. It's getting your heart rate up. AKA, it's a different form of weight training that I just never thought humanly possible. And it worked for some people here. It worked it worked for some people here that it probably had never tried right. something else before. And, and those yeah, and those before. awesome fools did not ever want to come to a, fit, a full fitness class, which is totally fine. It's not everyone's cup of tea. They didn't want to go to a gym, but they felt comfortable swinging sledgehammers and they were doing they were doing exercises that I do with kettlebells in a kettlebell class. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I joined them one day and almost took my shun off and never went back. Well, but oh. It's fine. Um, <laughs> but I buy their sledgehammers. Um, but the thing is just to find something that you enjoy and stick to it and create a goal around it, right? Yeah. And you guys talked about how like Groupon right now is kind of a fun place to mine yeah. ideas for activities. Yes. I was doing this for, for Christmas shopping, looking for experiences rather than presents for my family, but noticing how many fitness-oriented groupons there are. And the great thing about that is, first of all, 
it's a significant discount usually, but it's a way to try something without going all in. You get right. the group on, whatever, you get a month access to something, you go to the trampoline place or the workout place or whatever exercises there. There's dancing, there's Zumba, all kinds of things. It's a cheaper way to just try something and yep. you might end up liking it. Yeah, absolutely. Try something new. Um, you know, I really I really want to get back into rock climbing. Um, I haven't rock climbed in a long time. We have a rock climbing group here at The Fool. That's probably going to be the way that I'm going to get back into rock climbing is because I know that there's friends and there's a social component to it. So I know this also works for bros is find find your clan, find your group, find your posse, find your people, find find your broskies, right? <laughs> um, find whomever that is and, and create some accountability. Um, but also make sure it's fun. Like, you know, uh, you want to talk about your roller skating? <laughs> you and Rick? We just need to build a roller skating rink down in the Fulatorium. Oh, yes, if we had a roller that skating rink down in the Fulatorium, that would be Rick awesome. and Bro would tear it up. Yeah, and maybe you. every day. And me, and me. I would tear it up too. Yeah. So, just so that everyone knows, we had roller skating at our <laughs> annual meeting, Fulapalooza. And it was interesting because there was clearly a generational difference between the people who could roller skate and who couldn't. Yes. So, people, you know, nearing their 40s or well into their 40s, Gen maybe X their 50s. Gen X knows how to roller skate. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we would do a lot of roller skating parties as kids. The, yeah. younger, the younger kids were not as comfortable on the skates, but we had a blast. Oh, yeah. my God. You guys were literally lapping everyone else. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything exception of Mac. Mac Mac was pretty good. And Jen Parker was doing pretty yeah. well, too. Yeah. So I just need to build one out on the first floor just for you, Rick, and Mac. There we and go. that is all. And it will be yours alone. That would be awesome. <laughs> well, let's transition to talk about some money-related resolutions that people often have. One of the top five New Year's resolutions is, I'm going to spend less. Again, very vague. Bro, what should people actually be saying and doing? I like to focus, first of all, on just spend smarter. Because... You have to spend money, um, and some things are well worth the money that you spend it on. And in some of the recommendations I have, you might end up spending more this year, but it's worth the investment. So, first of all, I would say start by looking where your money went in 2018. And this is a good time of year to do it. Many banks and uh, credit card companies will provide at end of the year spending summary. If you use something like Mint or Personal Capital or anything like that, you can do that. You, you can even download your bank statements into a spreadsheet and sort it that way. But whichever, you want to see where your money was going. And then one way I think to think about it is that spending can be categorized three ways. It either provides a long-term benefit, a short-term benefit, or no benefit. And as you look through things, you'll see things like, oh, yeah, I spent money on that, and I love it, and I'll continue to love it for years. It could be a shorter-term benefit. I went out to eat. I went to a movie. I enjoyed it. It was nice. It's not going to change my life, but it was still worth that. And there are things that you're spending money on that you're getting no benefit from. Things you bought and you never used, services you're paying for that you never use. So you go through that and look, and then try to identify the three biggest things that either provide no benefit or a short-term benefit. Like One thing that we often talk about is eating out. Sometimes there's just nothing beats a good meal, especially when you're out with your family or something like that. Sometimes you go out just because you had nothing better to do, and you leave, and you're kind of like, eh, I probably could have done something better with that money. So I think that's one way to do it. Another way to think of it, too, is there's one way to reduce just about any expense by 8% over the next year, and that is give it up for a month. And I think you can give up anything for a month. And it could be going out to eat. It could be your cable service. And most cable services will allow you to suspend your service for 30 days. It, or if you're not even eliminating it, 
you're finding a way to do it better. So one thing I'm thinking of doing with my family is some sort of how could, way to figure out how can we lower our energy bill over the course of a month. Do a little research, and then what are some ways that we're using electricity that we don't necessarily need to? And if you do that over the course of the year and just focus on a certain thing every month, I think you'll realize that, A, you've saved some money, considerable amount of money probably, over the course of the year. But also, you'll identify ways that you've been spending money that didn't add a whole lot of value. And I think this ties in a little bit to what you do, Sam, because you do the monthly challenges here, and sometimes they're longer than a month. And I assume it's similar in that there's a mentality of, like, if, I'm, if I say I can't go out to eat or I have to give up ice cream, it seems too long and too permanent. But you can do just about anything for a month. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I've, I found that not only because we move so quickly here and we're so project-based, but that any, any type of health and wellness challenge beyond six to eight weeks, the participation drops off about like 70% of the way through. People get bored. People are no longer interested. They've, they've moved on to something else. They're focusing on something else. You know, life gets in the way. Between three and four week challenges, I found is a really, really sweet spot, not only to start to nudge behavior change, but to kind of make a really lasting impact, whether you're starting to cognitively think about the decisions you're making, or it start to actually become a, become a habit. Right. And then the other part of uh, many resolutions is not only spend less, but save more. And I would change that to invest more. Um, savings, first of all, is not very exciting. Savings usually means cash, and no one gets excited about cash. But here at The Motley Fool, we're big investors. And I prefer to think of it as, instead of spending that money on the thing you are going to buy, instead spend that money on buying shares in the company that makes the project, or the product. In the end, like it's not a question of spend or save. It's a question of, do you spend today on something that you buy and consume and maybe don't have a long-term value or benefit? Or do you spend that money on an investment that allows you to either spend more in the future, because ideally that investment grew, or it allows you to spend money at a time of life when you value it, namely retirement? You're able then to quit your job, have the financial independence, spend the money on vacations and all the other great stuff about being in your golden years. So I think that's a better way to think of it. And the practical way to do that is just like right now, go to your 401k and increase the amount you contribute, or go to your IRA and have another $50, $100, $200 automatically debited from your bank account and invested. Make it as automatic as possible so you get that money to those accounts and you're less likely to spend it on something because it's sitting there in your bank account. We should have a monthly challenge. Let's do a monthly Actually, challenge. That's a really good I idea. Thanks. I have a, I have good ideas. You how do about have good ideas. how about we make it health related, and then next week we can do a financial related one because finances in January can be a little wonky because of okay. holidays. Right. That's um, do you want to do you want to track do you want to track our our eating for a week? I, I think that's a great idea. All right, that's it. We're gonna do. Do it. we get to analyze it? We're gonna track sure. on air. Maybe. <laughs> Rick's like, this is gonna be awful radio. But let's track <laughs> let's track our eating for a week. And then we'll come, or and then we'll come back at some point next month and talk about what we learned, and then have a new monthly challenge. How's that sound? That sounds great. All right, love it. Gonna do it. So I was also thinking in terms of, and this applies to both health and wealth. Like, why don't people follow through on the resolutions? And I was thinking about like why I wasn't able to follow through on past resolutions, and I think it comes down to three things: time, energy, and and willpower. Mm And when it comes to finances, 
if time is your issue, you just have to find a way to do it. And it can't be like, I'm going to find a half hour at the end of the day after the kids are in bed, because then it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like you have to take a day off, day off of work or on the weekend, clear everything out of the way and get everything set up. And with energy, I think time of day is important. And Dan Pink's latest book had a lot of good research on this, knowing when the right time of day to do certain things is. I'm going to try this year to make Wednesday mornings my money morning. Because if I save a lot of my financially related stuff, budget related stuff, all that to the end of the day, I just don't get to it. Partially because because of my job, I've been focusing on money all day long. And I get home, I don't. It's <laughs> like, like the football no, players who say, like, they play football <laughs> and they don't watch Monday Night Football because, like, I have that all day long. So I need to do it in the morning or it won't get done. And I'm sure it's the same with exercise. There's some times a day where you're going to go and exercise. Versus other times where you're just, you're just not going to do it. You're too tired. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I keep thinking I need to get back to the gym that I have a membership with that I don't go very often. Not the hot yoga, but the, the actual gym. But, you know, after I've ta- taught, you know, two classes here or I've, I've had personal training appointments and, you know, doing all of the health and wellness stuff here, the last thing I really want to do is to go to go work out yeah. by myself in a gym. And, yeah, so... Yeah. Yeah, it just it it sometimes it works, especially on the weekends. I can go to the gym because I'm not thinking health and wellness stuff all day. Um, but but yeah, you've you've got to figure out the sweet spot. Yeah, and then finally with the willpower, again, automate things as much as pop possible. Make one big time decision so you are not required to make multiple decisions. Um, and there are various ways to do that, the automatic investments and things like that. There are more services out there like Acorns and Digit, which will sort of round up your purchases and automatically save it. I personally don't have experience with those, but I'm going to try them. For listeners who have experience, feel free to email answers at fool.com because I'd be love to know your experience with these services. Um, if you do have trouble with spending, separate your accounts maybe you have like again we'll use dining out as an example just determine how much can you use can you eat out get that cash at the beginning of the month or just have a separate little account with a debit card mm-hmm. fill that each month 100 200 whatever it is and once that's gone you can't spend any more but you have to put up some if willpower is the issue you have to put up some speed bumps or barricades around it to help you make better decisions mm-hmm. yep absolutely i'm a big fan of you know, if you're if you're trying to eat healthier, quote unquote, in in the new year, um, make sure that you have healthy snacks wherever you go. Um, I put um, bags of almonds in my in my Forerunner in the console. That way, like if I'm running from one job to another, or I'm running to the pool or whatever, and I'm starving, uh, I'm like, oh yeah, sweet, I've got snacks. Like I totally forgot I had snacks, but like. Old old Sam knew what future Sam needed. Yeah, heck yeah. <laughs> Good job, old Sam. So like, just make sure you're prepared, right? So it's it's just about being prepared and making sure you set yourself up for success, no matter what it is. And the final thing I'll say in terms of spending smarter, and this is where you might end up spending more money, and that is, if you need professional help, get professional help. And it could be, in this case of money, it could be a fee-only financial planner. You pay them for a few hours of their time to analyze your situation, help you figure out where you can improve your budget, help you figure out where you should be saving your money. If you're having troubles making these decisions with your spouse, you can have this objective third party to help you make those decisions. But there are also people called uh, daily money managers, and they will set you up on Mint or Quicken or anything like that if you don't know how to do it. They will analyze your budget. They will also pay your bills. They will do a lot of the nuts and bolts parts 
of money management, and I don't think they get enough attention. You can look up the Association of Daily Money Managers. I had no idea that was even a thing. Yep. But the first time I got set up on Quicken, it was my wife paid a guy who came and set all our accounts up and got us going. You're willing to admit that your wife had to call another man Not, hey, to no, she, laugh she, about your financials? She, she said he was working on Quicken. I don't know. He's downloaded something. Uh, no, but it was, it was actually a, this was like years ago. And I had said something like, for, well, like I want to get set up on Quicken, but I just haven't gotten to it. And she did it as a birthday present. That's a that's, good birthday yeah, gift. That's a really good yes. present. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they will handle a lot of that stuff. So it's, it's the Association of Daily Money Managers. You put in your zip code and you'll find a daily money manager in your area. Though that said, many of them work remotely. So you don't even have to find someone in your area. And then finally, if you are in good shape, but you know someone, a relative, kid, someone like who are not in good shape, man, Give the gift of good, solid financial advice by hiring a financial planner or a daily money manager to help them get their act together. And I assume it's the same, by the way, in terms of your situation, Sam, in hiring a professional trainer, Mm -hmm. going to the gym, whatever you need to do to get that professional help to get you over the hump, to get you started. Right, yeah, to get you in that space where you feel comfortable going to the gym or doing whatever activity it is or staying on track, whatever it is, Um, whether it's a registered dietitian, a certified nutritionist, a certified personal trainer, um, an exercise physiologist, whatever it is, whatever area that you want to focus on, hire a professional for a short amount of time. Yeah, you don't have to have them forever. No. Um, make that initial investment. Learn everything you can. Stay in contact with them if you need them for another, you know, another Tune piece up. of advice. Yeah, <laughs> a little quick fix. Um, and 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 start from there. Um, don't feel like you're at this alone. Yay! Oh, you yeah. have a resolution? What's your resolution? Um, to pay seventeen thousand dollars on grad school this year. There you go. Pay down good. debt. That's another common resolution. Yeah. Good, but it's good. specific. It's measurable. It's achievable. It's time oriented. Yeah. Uh, so last year I paid around fifteen five. This year I'm bumping each monthly payment up just a little bit. Yeah. So cumulatively it should be over seventeen. Yay! That's awesome, yeah. bro. What's your new year's resolution? So my wife and I have the same resolution since we both turned fifty this year. So our mantra is fit by fifty. And I think we're both in generally good shape. And for me, what I'm focusing on is more energy. So I'm going to track my energy throughout the day and see if it's at all correlated to how much sleep I got, to what I ate, whether I exercise or not. So I have a better understanding on what affects my – because there are some days where I just crash. And I need to figure out why Track that your is. caffeine consumption, too. Okay, well, that's a good one. And your sugar. All right. Spoiler alert, they're all related. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you've got a lot of things to track I do. as well. I, um, do. I don't have any year's resolution. I don't do resolutions. Do you, Rick? Nope. There we go. Roller, roller skate more, Rick, in 2019. For ice skating, but yeah. Ice skate more in 2019. Sam, thanks once again for coming in and talking You're about welcome. that. It's, I know for our listeners it might be a stretch that we're talking about health, but there's so many of the blockers and barriers. Like, willpower is such... That, like, us and dieting companies, The Motley Fool trying to teach people finance, and like a company like Weight Watchers, which is not called Weight Watchers anymore, they're called something else. But there's so many similarities between them, where it's like, you know this is good for you. You know it's good. For, you know you need to get in shape. You know you need to get your money in shape. But yep. it's just so hard for so many of us. So I just see so many connections between there the are. two. So not only just financial, but also just the willpower to, to tackle both of them. Yep. So Sam, thanks again for coming thanks, in. Thanks, guys. I thanks, love this Sam. time of year, right around the holidays and then after the holidays. See your shining faces. Yay! <laughs> Cheers to 2019. Here we go. Hey. Best year yet. Cheers. Cheers to you. Oh, that's the show. 
Our email is answers at fool.com. You can also find us on Facebook with the Motley Fool Podcast Facebook group. We're also on Twitter. I don't know. I mean, personally, we are. I don't know that we... (laughs) We're not super active, but hey, chat with us and we'll become more active, probably. The show is edited resolutely by Rick Engdahl. That's a word. For Robert Prokamp, I'm Allison Southwick. Stay foolish, everybody. Bye.